Hi, this is Pastor Nelson Mercado. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast from the Nashville First Seventh-day Adventist Church. I hope you are blessed by today's message. Good morning. Praise God, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. I had the attack of a mask. Anybody got, ever got attacked by your mask? It wraps around your glasses and pull them off and your glasses hang and all that stuff and, you know, fall on the ground. And, but uh, God is still good, <laughs> even when your mask doesn't want to participate. Um, let me get all this wonderful stuff together this morning. <clears throat> Jesus, 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 there's just something about that name. Master, Savior, Jesus, like the fragrance after the rain. Jesus, 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 let all heaven and earth proclaim. Kings and kingdoms will all pass away, but there's something about that name. Hallelujah. Father, Lord, what a joy to know you through Christ. What a joy, Heavenly Father, Lord, to walk with you. To know you, Father, Lord, for who you are. To know of your great mercy, Father. In the midst of our imperfections, in the midst, Lord, of our sin, you have a wonderful way of holding on to us and meeting us where we are. Lord, thank you this morning for blessing us to arrive here safely, for all who are able, Lord, to get out. Thank you, Father, Lord, for every soul. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for Pastor Mercado and his family. Ask, O oh, Father, that you would continue, Lord, to keep your hands on them and keep them in your care. Now, Father, Lord, I ask your forgiveness of my sin. As David asked, that you would wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. And that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. When I got here this morning, uh, Pastor Nelson uh, was standing at the door with no tie. And here I done, I done wore my tie. What's up with that? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, he, he didn't give me a word on that. But 
It's a blessing to be here, Pastor. Um, happy Sabbath and happy almost Valentine's Day. I don't know if you are with your sweetheart. I don't even know if you have a sweetheart. But uh, we pray that somehow you will know the love of Jesus. A great children's story. Amen. And I see you with your sweetheart. Amen. <laughs> but um, it's a blessing to be here in Nashville first. Thank you for the years that I have been coming here to speak with you. I think I, think I have um, ministered to this congregation in the Word for about eight times, nine, I've forgotten about it, including that retreat where you all made me preach four sermons in two days. Yeah. Oh, we had a ball. We had a blast. Yeah, you know, toothpicks in your eyelids and, you know, studying. But um, had just a blessed time. This morning, uh, thank the dear sister for her reading of our scripture reading for this morning. <clears throat> I want to make a statement as we begin in the word this morning. And I'm going to make the statement. And you always have to be careful when you tell people to repeat after you. They say, I don't know what this dude's going to say. But um, repeat after me, if you will, after I say it. Relationships are the most important thing in the world. Amen. Without relationship, life proves absolutely purposeless. Can you say amen? And meaningless. At least it wasn't my mask. <clears throat> Purposeless and meaningless. But with relationships, there are great rewards and sometimes great risk. Is that right? Valentine's Day is pretty neat. At least it can be. As a day to remember the beauty of pure romance. And anyone that has been married, we like romance. And even as it has also expanded to expressions of affection among relatives and friends, and, you know, back when we were in school, um, we used to give our little Valentines, they come in the little boxes, and you put people's name on it, and you hope you get one from everybody, especially, you know, for me, whatever pretty little girl I had my eye on at the time. But, um, but Valentine's, kind of like Christmas time, can be a lonely time. Uh, people have their times of aloneness. But the whole deal with Valentine, all of that is pretty neat. But just in case you might have forgotten, our daily lives in Christ are supposed to be all about love. Amen. God's love and man's relationships, beginning in our homes and among our families, whether married or single, and then we share that love with the world around us, with communities, with the community at large. Turn in your Bibles, if you will, with me to Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18. And you know... This is my New King James. I've got it here in the New American Standard, and I want to read it in that version when I read it. 
just go here because I only had a piece of that in there. The Word of God says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Church, say amen. amen. At the dawn of time, the Lord God spoke and the wonder of creation began to form. As creation week progressed, God saw that what he was creating was good. What he was creating was good. The light was good. Day and night, good. The seas and the earth, good. Sun, moon, and stars, good. Sea creatures, birds, cattle, creeping things, all good. As he worked his way through the sixth day. Now, that would be the day that he would create man. Genesis chapter 1 and 26, it says this. It says, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And then Genesis chapter 2 verse 7 says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. But unlike the beast of the field or the birds of the air or the fish of the sea, man was created in the image of God. So at the close of the sixth day, God proclaimed that all he had created was very good. All the other days it was good, but after he created man, it was very good. But shortly, shortly after God had created man, we don't know exactly that time frame, God proclaimed that something was not good. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be what? Alone. The English word alone in the NASB is translated from the Hebrew word bod. The word means by itself, apart, separated. God was saying that it was not good for Adam to be by himself. And I'm glad that God made that proclamation uh, with my wife of three years. No, it's been 30. Amen. I wanted to tease him with that, but he got up and left. I'll get him later. Amen. And uh, I also want to stop and I just want to praise God for my wife. If, is that all right I'll do that? Um, uh, TC has been off the charts from day one of our 30-year marriage. I have been absolutely blown away by this woman. Oh, I mean blown away in the way that she loves, in the way that she serves, in the way that she has taken care of our family. And I would climb the highest mountain and shout it from the mountaintop that I love my wife. I even told her, as a pastor did, if you leave me, I'm going with you. <laughs> Amen. Amen. It's just I don't have enough time to train anybody else or be trained by anybody else. Amen. Right. 
So if she leaves me, if I come home one day and my wife is all upset because I did something, uh, which I never do, that, that because I did something that was just so out of line and she's getting in the car and said, wait a minute, wait a minute, don't go, please don't go. She said, listen, I'm out of here and I'm just going to go ahead and get in the car because there'll be a Walmart wherever we go. Amen. And I'll just give me some more clothes and we'll be on our way. Praise God. But I did want to give a shout out to my wife this morning. This woman has been absolutely amazing in my life. And I really had, you know, I, I didn't plan to say that until this morning. And honey, I love you. And just thank you so much for all that you are in my life and, and with the girls. Amen. 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 Now, how do you, how do you pick up from that? <laughs> all right. Now, you know the story of Adam and Eve. God said that he would make Adam a helpmeet, someone suitable for him, someone who would compliment him. Uh, so in the finest construction work on earth, God built a woman for Adam. Amen. That's where they got that term. But anyway, uh, and he brought her to him and Adam was no longer by himself. Adam was now in a relationship, in a marriage relationship with a God blessed and God built woman. Amen. Hallelujah. So if we look closer, God's solution. Now, listen to this. God's solution to his proclamation, it's not good that the man should be alone, went far beyond the threshold of holy matrimony. Um, if you think about it, God had a much more profound plan than what we tend to see on the surface when he said it's not good that man should be alone. But the plan still began with the marriage of the man and the woman. Think about it. It's not good that the man should be alone. So God built a wife for Adam. Now go. Be fruitful and multiply. Have a bunch of babies. Amen. Children, brothers and sisters. Skip the teenagers. Amen. But, but God wasn't done. Bring on the uncles, aunts, nieces, and nephews and cousins. God still wasn't done. Hallelujah. Uh, beyond our bloodline, he gave us friends. He gave us neighbors. He gave us co-workers, church members, club members, social acquaintances, people of various character from other communities, other cultures, and other countries. It is not good that the man should be alone. Uh, Sister White and patriots and prophets uh, made this statement, man was not made to dwell in solitude, he was made to be a social being. But you know, sometimes it appears that for all of the relationships that people are in, in this nation and even around the world, there are so many relationships that are not working very well at all. They are cold, they are broken, indifferent, unreliable, devious, divisive, and destructive relationships. In some ways, sometimes it even seems like in some situations that there are some certain organizations and folk that just want to keep it that way. It seems like there's a lot of folk that want to keep a lot of folk divided out there. Y'all with me today? Now, I'm not going to give you the laundry list of all that mess you've heard about it and, and you hear enough about it on the news and with your family and friends. But let's take a few minutes this morning, if you will, 
And I want to begin to explore some attributes and areas of relationship and seriously consider the source from whom they originate. So stay with me this morning. I want to look at six attributes or areas of relationship and seriously consider the source from whom they originate. Number one, if you uh, take notes like I do, pencil, paper. Number one, relationship community originated with God. Y'all with me? The Oxford Dictionary defines community as a group of persons living in the same place or having a particular characteristic in common. Now, if we take a closer look at our creator, God, who made that proclamation is not good for man to be alone. The Bible also records God in Genesis 1 and 26 saying, let us make man in our image. Is that right? But who is us? The us is Elohim. Elohim is one of the key Hebrew names for God used over 2,500 times in the Old Testament. And in that King James Version occurs about 32 times in the first chapter of Genesis. Elohim is a unique word that speaks of a plurality of God. Elohim is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, yet he is one God. Are y'all with me today? This is the heavenly kingdom community. Listen, God is a being in relationship. Let me say that again. God all by himself, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, is a being in in relationship. This existence of God is sometimes referred to as a triunity or the Trinity. Is that right? Amen. So Elohim is the most high God in the community of the Trinity. So we may well say that the Trinity is the supreme community in a relationship and he is one God. So that's the God of community in a relationship. Number two, relationship diversity is the essence of God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit are different. They are diverse, yet they are one. Aren't you glad? Diversity is the essence of who God is. Each person of the God has, has their own role and function. For instance, in the book of Ephesians, somewhere around verse four, uh, chapter 1 and verse 4, um, we are chosen by the Father. Verse 7, we are redeemed by the blood of the Son. Uh, verse 13, we are sealed by his Holy Spirit. They are diverse, but they are one. They are diverse, but there is perfect peace in the Godhead. Thus, he is one God. Amen, somebody. And then, so that's the God of diversity in a relationship. Number three, relationship unity is the nature of God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit coexist in unbroken community and inseparable unity. Each is necessary, each is distinct, yet all are one God. They coexist in pure love. They coexist in absolute knowledge. They coexist in perfect wisdom. They coexist in unceasing diversity and absolute significance. Yet there is no competition, hallelujah, 
kingdom. There is no adversity. There is no rivalry. There is no jealousy in the Godhead. They coexist in perfect harmony. God is undivided. He is one God. Deuteronomy 6 and 4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. So that's the God of unity. So we spoke about that's the God of community, the God of diversity, and the God of unity in a relationship. Number four, relationship verity, and that's a word for truth. So I could say either truth or verity. Relationship verity is the word of God. And one pastor explained it like this. Truth is that which is consistent with the mind, will, character, glory, and being of God. Even more to the point, truth is the self-expression of who God is. Truth is the word of God. Uh, Jesus said in John chapter 17, he said to the Father, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Truth is the way things really are. Amen? Just tell me the truth. I'll make up my own mind. Amen? Amen. So truth is the way things really are. Are And then reality is what it is because God declared it so and made it so. Therefore, God is the author, source, determiner, governor, arbiter, <clears throat> ultimate standard, and final judge of all truth. Amen. So that's God. That's the God of truth in a relationship. Stay with me as I unpack. Number five, relationship love is the person of God. In 1 John chapter 4 and verse 8, it teaches us that God is love. And as I said uh, of, the God, uh, of God's unity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit coexist in pure love because love is the very person of God. God is love. God did not have to create man in order to have someone to love because God is love in and of himself. Hallelujah. Yeah, praise God. Sometimes we're the icing on the cake and sometimes we're the pain in the neck. God, he is God in three persons. God did not have to create us in order to have someone to love. He is the God in relationship. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the triunity of divine love. That's who God is. And then he further manifested his incomparable love in the person of Jesus who poured out on us that eternal, unconditional, sacrificial, and reconciliatory love that he would pour out upon us that we would be drawn back to the Lord when we strayed away. And so that is the love of God in a relationship. And then last of all, number six, relationship eternity is the realm of God. Relationship eternity is the realm of God. God is eternal. Say that with me. God is eternal. God exists in eternity, past and future. God is the first cause eternal being. In other words, nobody made God. Amen? Yeah. In fact, one evangelist said God is the only being in existence, the reason for whose existence lies within himself. Hallelujah. He always was and always will be in a relationship. God had no beginning and he will have no end. Now, listen, think about it. Think about this. Now, I bet you've never heard this. God is forever community. Yes, he is. God is forever community. God is forever diversity. 
God is forever unity. God is forever verity, which is truth. God is forever love. He is not just God. He is forever God. In Psalm, in the Psalm of Moses there in Psalm chapter 90 and verse 2, it tells us before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. That's the eternity of God in a relationship. Now watch this. The point is this. All attributes of true and wholesome relationships originated with God. Did you get that? All attributes of true and wholesome relationships originated with God. No one knows how to manage relationships better than God. No one has a better community than God. No one knows how to live in perfect diversity in a relationship but God. No one knows how to exist in unceasing unity in a relationship but God. No one knows how to live in absolute unmitigated truth in a relationship but God. No one knows what it means to live flawlessly beyond the boundaries of time in a relationship but God. God is the being in a relationship, listen you all, in community, diversity, verity, and unity in love throughout eternity. That, that's the makeup of the supreme relationship forever established and enthroned in the kingdom of God. That is God's kingdom relationship. That's what Jesus was born to show us and died and rose again to give us. Kingdom relationship starting with being in a relationship with God. Hallelujah. And just as there is unity in diversity in the community of the Trinity in verity and love throughout eternity, our Heavenly Father has called you and me and equipped us. Huh? He has called us and equipped us in Christ to live in unity, in diversity, in the community of humanity, in truth and charity until our expiration of our mortality. We are not saved to be alone. Somebody say amen. We are not saved to be alone. We're not saved to go and be hermits. We're not saved to go and be uh, uh, hide out somewhere away from the world. We are not saved to be intentionally, intentionally antagonistic to the world either. Amen, somebody. God didn't call us to be a real pain, amen, not on purpose anyway. Although Jesus did warn us that the world would hate us in John 15, 19, because it hated him first. We are saved to be in a relationship in the community and family of the church of Jesus Christ, as well as the community of the world. It is not good for any man, woman, boy, or girl to be alone, it's not good for us to be alone, nor is it good for the church and the communities to be divided. Is that right? It's not good for us to leave the world alone. It's not good for us to leave. The world wants us to leave it alone, but it's not good for us to leave the world alone. In Christ, we are agents of healing. We are agents of truth. We are agents of forgiveness. We are agents for hope. We are agents of reconciliation and restoration. That's who we are in Christ. And then in, when we look at Matthew chapter 5 and verse 13 and 14, Jesus proclaimed, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless, 
How can it be made salty again? Let me ask you something. Have we become so tasteless in the world that we're no, no longer used? Have we become so tasteless? Listen, I'm going to tell you something. Listen, when we are living, hallelujah, and the fruits of the Holy Spirit are abiding in us and working in us as they were, people ought to be able to taste and see from our character that Jesus is good. Taste and see from our character, the fruits of the Holy Spirit that are in us. They ought to be able to taste and see that Jesus is good. Listen, in a relationship. Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly at heart, and you will find rest for your soul. Jesus said, we are to learn about him. Jesus' life was all about relationships. That's what you see in the word of God. Listen, did you know that Jesus loved the unlovely? People like me. I didn't put your name in the book this time. Amen. Uh, uh, Jesus lived his life of blessing the unworthy people like me people like me he gave his life as a living sacrifice to save wretches like you and me now I put you in that one but I didn't put you in the first ones that we might be his instruments in the world to bring others to him for the saving of their souls. He wasn't studying. Listen, Jesus wasn't studying the world's methods in order to bring about some kind of false peace and help people just get along. Is that right? Sometimes it seems like so many of us have watched and listened to so much of the world, much more of the world, that we no longer believe that the love of God nor the word of God is sufficient. Sometimes it seems like the church of God has been taking in so much of the world that when you start talking about how we can fix relationships, we're not listening to God. Too many of us are listening to the world. And when we read simple, simple things I want to read something very quickly here. I'm going to Ephesians chapter 4. I'll just read something. I'll read something, get off of it, and keep moving. I want to keep moving through the message. But when you go to the book of Ephesians and you want to talk about how we're going to solve some of the issues of division, some of the issues of hatred, and all of these type of things, God has already told us. And you go to the book of Ephesians, and let me go here. I'm going to just go right here to... Um, let me go to verse 29, chapter 4, verse 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And we say, well, that won't work. So we got to read somebody's book and then go read somebody's this or somebody's that. When are we going to trust God at his word? When are we going to trust God at his word? And then when you keep on reading, verse 30 says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And then it says this, talking about healing for relationships, talking about healing for marriage, talking about healing for the races and all of this junk that's going on. This is what God says. 
Let all bitterness, wrath, come on, read it with me, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ also forgave you. But sometimes we don't seem to act like we're going to believe what God says, so we got to go and get all this stuff from all the world, and the world doesn't know God. Are y'all with me, somebody? Listen, like I said, the attributes of a true relationship, the attributes of the relationship that will lift us up from our mess originated with God. That's why I read those attributes of a relationship to you. Unity, diversity, community. It originated with God. And we need to go to the word of God in order to get instruction of how to live in those relationships. Nowadays, you can't say much. Amen, somebody. They'll fire you. They'll censor you. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, the word of God says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies, what? A living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. I love this. I love this in the, new, in the in NIV. It says, this is your true and proper worship. In, in, in the regular King James and in the New King James, it says your reasonable service. But the NIV, it breaks it down and says, this is your true and proper worship. And, and you know what that makes me think of? It makes me think of that worship is a whole lot more than coming up in this place and singing a little bit. Are y'all with me, somebody? Re listen, worship is about how I live when I'm at my house. Worship is about how I live when I'm driving and somebody pulls out in front of me. Come on, somebody. Re worship is about how I live from day to day. Listen, and I've told them all the years I've been in prison ministry, all the years I've been preaching and whatever place I might go, every now and then I say, listen, if worship does not, listen, now, when I first meet the Lord Jesus Christ, I might be in a church, but from then on, my worship begins and ends at my house. And when I'm mowing my grass, I can worship. Come on, somebody. Are y'all with me? If, if, I'm not, if I'm cooking, which I never cook, I could be worshiping there. So I guess I couldn't say that one. Hallelujah. <laughs> if I'm fixing something, yeah, I won't get in trouble with that. Listen, when I'm fixing something at the house, I can worship him. Listen, but my worship has to do, hallelujah, with being a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord. That is my true and proper worship. And then God said through the Apostle Paul, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Listen, have we forgotten that nobody knows how to manage relationships like Jesus? Have we forgotten? Jesus is our Savior. Jesus is Emmanuel. God with us. There is no wiser intellect but Jesus. So why are we listening to other people more than we listen to Jesus? Why are we following the instructions of the world and instead of taking heed, hallelujah, to the word of God? Jesus tells us how to get this thing straight, y'all. In fact, I'll tell you what, in Christ Jesus is already taken care of. 
In Christ Jesus, it is already done. All we have, listen, you know what? It's, it's an awful thing if a man has a million dollars in a briefcase and he's out on the street starving to death. And it's an awful shame if we are in the church. I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about the church. Listen, there ought not be any division up in here. I don't care what color you are. I don't care what your nationality is. We are called to be in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything we need to get along is already in Jesus. But are we a rich man starving on the street? Nobody loves like Jesus, amen? In the lifestyle section, uh, life, the life and style section of a, a, a periodical, a, a dot-com um, website, a few years ago, I looked at this. There was an article, and it, it was talking about health and well-being. It said this, loneliness, a silent plague that is hurting young people most. It said, and this was overseas, it said, for young Britons, loneliness is an epidemic. And they are even more likely to fall victim to its insidious dangers than the elderly. Loneliness has finally become a hot topic, and this was back in 2014, but listen, last month the Office for National T Statistics found Britain to be the loneliest capital of Europe. We're less likely to have strong friendships or know our neighbors than residents anywhere else in the EU. And relatively high proportion of us have no one to re rely on in a crisis. Meanwhile, earlier this year, research by Professor John, I'm going to mess this name up, Cassiopo at University of Chicago found loneliness to be twice as bad for older people's health as obesity, are y'all with me, and almost as great a cause of death than poverty. Loneliness. But shocking as this is, such studies overlook the loneliness epidemic among younger adults. In 2010, the Mental Health Foundation found loneliness to be a greater concern among young people than elderly. The 18 to 34-year-olds surveyed were more likely to feel lonely often to worry about feeling alone and to feel depressed because of loneliness than people that were over 55. We're living in a world where people are so connected with internet, social media, smartphones, yet people are so alone. The sorrow, broken homes, infidelity, murder, sexual immorality, crime, suicides, racial divisions, and class warfare all give testimony to a community with no godly unity. The world sent, now listen, the world senses that void and that's a good thing. That's a God-given sensitivity because it's not good that man should be alone. But the problem is the world wants to fix these areas of deep relational deficiencies apart from the God in whom the qualities originate. All of these key things in relationships, they began with God. And nobody does relationships, hallelujah, better than my heavenly father. Nobody does relationships better than he. The church needs to take heed to the world's need.
and also our own. The world wants us to get to know each other, take interest in each other and get along so we won't despise and kill each other. And so we uh, each one of us can splurge on our own sinful fantasies without bothering or offending anybody. The world has many communities, but they are deficient in the charity of God's love. The world wants us to recognize and celebrate diversity and desperately wants to discover how we can have unity in diversity. But only God can bring about lasting unity that's rooted in truth. Hallelujah, somebody. And unity and charity. And to make things worse, the world rejects the God who has what they are missing. But why are we following after? When we take a good look at the person of God, we find that there's unity and diversity in the community of the Trinity. Love is the identity of that community throughout eternity. Because God is community. God is diversity. God is unity. God is truth. God is love. And there is no conflict in that kingdom relationship. Aren't you glad? Do you know if God was jacked up, we'd be messed up. But hallelujah, he's the one that keeps me in check. Huh? There is no hostility or separation or segregation or lack of affection in the Godhead. There is no aloneness in that relationship. There is only oneness in the realm of God and the only, only the people of God, that is us in Christ, we're the only ones who possess it. The world needs us. They need the love of God. They need to see how it's done for us, from us. Amen. They need to see how it's done. They need to see the love of Christ in us. But what about the church? The world cannot teach us how to love. Jesus gave that responsibility to the church to show the world. The world cannot teach us how reconciliation is accomplished. 2 Corinthians 5.18, Jesus gave the ministry of reconciliation to the church. Is that right? Amen. One of the saddest realities of the day is that far too many in the church are following the world's model that isn't working and it never will work. It never will. It never will. We have forgotten 1 Corinthians chapter 1 Verse 25, that tells us the foolishness of God is wiser than man. Now, you know, when, when I first read that all those many years ago, I'm going, what? God's foolishness. But, but God is just saying, you ain't got none over me. Your smartest folk are dummies. Are y'all with me, somebody? In my dumbest state, if I were to say it that way. The foolishness of God is wiser than man, and the weakness of God is stronger than man. So we've ended up with the same division and deterioration in our relationship that the world has. We've forgotten that oneness is a byproduct of salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. Galatians chapter 3, verse 28 says, There is neither Jew nor Gentile, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female. 
male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Our problem is that by our own disunity in the church, we are failing to appropriate on earth the unity and charity that God established for us in the kingdom of heaven. We have forgotten that Jesus gave us the church, not the world, the promise. You remember what he said? Peace I leave with you. Is that right, y'all? My peace I give to you. What? Not as... What, what, what y'all? Come on. Not as the... Not as the world gives. Is that right? That's the power of God in a relationship. And let me say this, because I know i got to you know, sit down here in a minute. I've had, I mean, I've been blessed by so many relationships. You know, I was, I was in the Navy for 12 years. And, um, you know, I've, I've been from one coast to the other. And I met so many people. And it just wasn't hard. California, Pastor Thomas and his congregation. Up in Maine, uh, uh, volunteered at a children's home that had white and black children at that children's home. You know, uh, uh, out at sea with my shipmates and all. I met a young man downtown Nashville in the plaza years ago when I was downtown just sitting out there playing my guitar at the time. Not really playing much nowadays. But anyway, uh, sitting in the plaza, met this young man named Bhatiar from Malaysia, and we hit it off. Back, back in the day, you know, took him over uh, to, to my house. You know, we, this is where I live and all this kind of stuff. Listen, when I was in the Navy, I went down to Nassau, Bahamas, met a gentleman uh, named Brad. He's deceased now, but Brad back then, he and I hit it off. It doesn't take much to love. I wish I had a witness in here. It doesn't take much to love. Jesus has equipped us. My, my best friend on board ship was a white fellow from Albi, Iowa. I ain't never been to Iowa. Years ago at, on my job, there was a young lady who was, um, um, she was going through this thing and stuff. The Lord was calling her closer and so forth or whatever. And I talked to her, you know, as far as the church that she was in, I talked with her and told her, listen, you don't have to go to some man and confess your sins. You can go straight to Jesus. Y'all with me, somebody? And then before long, she had, she was going to this other church. Um, and then uh, she called me uh, one Sunday and she said, I did it. I said, you did what? She said, I joined the church. I said, hallelujah. She said, and you're going to baptize me. I said, what? I said, what? Yeah, she said, she said, I said, I said, but wait a minute, hold on. You got a brand new pastor. He's perfectly capable of baptizing you. She said, I've already talked to him. Are y'all with me, somebody? And I went down to Franklin, Tennessee. I'm not going to tell you the church. I ain't going to tell you the person. It was, it was, it was, it was a Caucasian sister. And I went down there. I was the... <clears throat> Only spot in the house. Oh, can we be real up in here? Can we be real up in here? I was only spot in the house. I think there may have been a couple others or whatever, but it didn't make a difference. It was about the love of Christ in my heart and in her heart. And I baptized her in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. They said, wasn't it at Adventist Church? No, it was the Church of Jesus Christ. And her son went home and told the folk that my mama 
Took a bath with a black man at church today. Amen, amen, amen. Okay. Amen. My wife was there, amen. Amen. Wasn't no bath, amen. But all I'm saying is God's given us the capacity to love. We don't have to be in the same mess that the world's in, y'all. It, it just blows me away. And then the stuff that people put out on social media, I've, I've stopped going out there. In fact, I was out on Facebook, I think, for the first time the other day in months. I'm not, you listen, whatever you're doing out on Facebook, praise God, good for you. But the, but the mess, listen, I need Jesus and Jesus alone. And I need the family of God. I need you. Hallelujah. I'm, praise God. Uh, there was a brother, um, um, a brother that was, uh, he was pastoring up in Franklin, uh, Kentucky. Asked me to come up there and, 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 and preach from time to time. I've been going up there for two years now. It doesn't take much. Let me try to finish this message and sit down before y'all throw me out. Jesus told his disciples, as he tells us, through the witness of a community of loving unity in diversity in the church, the world will see that in a relationship with Jesus, you will have the love that you've been longing for. Amen? In a relationship with Jesus, he will forgive your sin and save your soul. Amen. In a relationship with Jesus, you can experience healing and comfort. In a relationship with Jesus, he will dispel your aloneness. Amen. In a relationship with Jesus, he will restore your marriage. In a relationship with Jesus, he will deliver you from the stronghold that has had you bound. In a relationship with Jesus, he quells your rebellion against the Father by his word with his awesome love and reconciles us to God. Hallelujah. I love him because he saved me. Got me out of my mess. I was towed up from the flow up. Back in my earlier days, but I serve a risen Savior who came to get this little old black four-eyed ghetto boy. That's the Jesus I serve. I don't know this Jesus who can mend broken hearts. I don't know the Jesus who cannot transform people. Never met him. <laughs> I'm going to have to take you with me to other churches. Listen, God is still saying it's not good for us to be alone, nor is it good for us to be divided. Amen? Division exacerbates aloneness. Division exacerbates aloneness. And the church of the living God is not supposed to be divided. We can sit in here. We can sit in here like we are here now. And then we get behind our closed doors and we're talking about the other race of people in our congregation. What's wrong with us? What's wrong with us? This is God's church. You mean you ain't got no more power than that? In a relationship, it's not good for man to be alone. And it didn't stop at God giving us a wife or a husband. He's given us each other. 
God said it's not good for us to be alone. We need companionship, fellowship, and friendship. That's why many of us like to be in groups, clubs, on social media, and all that kind of junk. People like getting to know people in relationships. Thus, through my life's experience and by the word of God, I have learned that relationships are the most important thing in the world, beginning with a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So as I close, God knew that we would need to be not only in a relationship with spouses, but also in the many others that we would encounter along the way. Are y'all with me? In school, at church, in our families, at the mall, at the park. It's not good for the young or the old to be alone. It's not good for the rich or the poor to be alone. It's not good for the races to be alone. It's not good for the educated or the undereducated to be alone. It's not good for the talented to be alone or the gifted to be alone, the blind, the deaf, the paraplegic, the mentally challenged or the homeless to be alone, the wounded to be alone, the millennials to be alone. It's not good. And every time I see a handshake or a hug, every time I see a fist bump, especially with in the, during the pandemic, or a kiss or a or a, 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 a pat on the shoulder. I know that it's not good for man to be bod. It's not good for man to be alone. But praise God, we have a risen Savior in him. Hallelujah. We are joined together in a relationship with Almighty God and in a relationship, a love relationship with one another. He is not divided. He is not separated. He is not alone. He will be with us in a relationship and he desires to bless us. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. Love. Don't take your cues from the world. Get back in the word of God and let's serve our Lord. Love our brothers and sisters and get this church back together. Lord bless you and keep you. Amen. Heavenly Father, it is not good for us to be alone. And Lord, just the way you work that thing, that, Lord, you are the awesome God and there is none other. There is none other. Lord, it wasn't just about a spouse. Uncles, aunts, nieces, nephews, brothers, sisters, church members, Father, Lord, you have put us here for one another, Heavenly Father, where we can help to lift one another up. We can help edify one another. We can help one another to heal. We can help one another to be, the, to be restored because, Father, Lord, you had a plan. And, Lord, everything that we need in our relationships you have in yourself. So, Lord, when we have you, when we have the Lord Jesus Christ, we have all that we need. We just need to appropriate the riches of the love of our Heavenly Father. Please, Lord, be with your church, not just, Lord, in this denomination, not just in the Adventist church, Lord, with your people around the world. Draw us nearer to you, Father, that we will walk with you in a relationship. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. If you're ever in the Nashville area, come and visit us at the Nashville First Seventh-day Adventist Church. We're located at 2800 Blair Boulevard in Nashville, Tennessee. You may also visit us at nfsda.org. Thank you.